Hey, church, how's everybody today? Everybody good? If you're good, say uh huh. All right, everybody on campus is good. You guys that are online today, thanks for tuning in today and uh, for joining us at Epic Church. We love getting together together um, on Sunday morning, and uh, worship has been great today. It's been a good day already today, and I'm excited to get to dive into God's Word uh, with you today. Uh, For those of you that may not know who I am, my name is Brian. I'm one of the pastors on staff here at Epic, and um, I get the privilege to wrap up our current sermon series today um, called New Name. And uh, so here's what we're going to do in in, in just a second, okay? We're going to dive into Daniel chapter number one, Uh, but before we do that, I feel like Um, I need to be as transparent with you guys today as what Trent has been over the last four weeks. And uh, if you've missed any of this series, let me encourage you to go back to any of our social media uh, platforms or our website and make sure you get caught up on this particular sermon series because what we've been learning is that uh, we aren't the names that other people call us, but we are the names that God calls us. We're gonna unpack that uh, a little bit more today and uh, see how God used um, some name changes uh, in, the book of, uh, in the book of Daniel Day. But I feel like I need to be transparent with you. Uh, if you remember way back in week one, uh, Trent kind of asked anybody if you had a nickname. So anybody else uh, other than me got a nickname here that maybe you've been adopted over your, your life at some point in time? Okay, well, I feel like I need to share my nickname with you because it really, uh, at some level, has kind of uh, defined me for, for all of my life. And depending on what circles I'm in and, and who's there with uh, family members or extended families, uh, a lot of times this, this name comes up. Uh, but here is Pastor Brian's nickname right there. Y'all can laugh. It's okay. All right. I'm, I'm comfortable with it. Let me tell you the backstory uh, behind uh, this particular nickname that I was given. My dad gave me this nickname when I was in about kindergarten or first grade, somewhere around in there, right? And the reason he gave me this nickname is because uh, he thought that I would, he actually called me Wiggle Worm is what daddy called me. And the reason he called me Wiggle Worm is because I couldn't sit still. I was one of those kids that, um, you know, just like I had ants in my pants, no matter where I was at, in a restaurant or at home, trying to sit on the couch, watching a movie or TV with a family. Uh, At church, my dad a lot of times made me sit on the front row because he was on the platform and he could keep an eye on me. And I just could not sit still. So so daddy kind of named me Worm and uh, because I just couldn't sit still. And for my entire life, uh, that nickname has kind of has kind of stuck with me, and even today, sometimes uh, if I'm at a family gathering where there's a lot of my extended family or aunts and uncles and some first cousins, uh, when I walk into the room, they will still refer to Wormy, and Wormy is here, and and this that, and the other, and that nickname. Uh, has defined me at some point in my life. And if you've got a nickname, maybe at some level, uh, that name has defined you as well. Uh, Maybe your name has something to do with something significant in your life. Uh, Maybe you were named after somebody or you're named in honor of somebody in your family. And uh, that's a big part of my life as well. Uh, I have an older brother. Uh, His name is Richard H. Baker Jr. Obviously, he's named after my father, who was Richard H. Baker uh, Sr. Um, Me and Karen, we both have, uh, we have two boys. Uh, My name, my full name is Brian Stephen 
Baker. Uh, the Stephen in my name is named after my grandfather on my mother's side, whose name was Albert Steve Gordon. And he went by Steve. To me, he was Grandpa Steve. So Stephen in my name, uh, my, my mom and dad named me that uh, after my grandfather on my mother's side. Um, I keep uh, this little plaque in my office on the wall to remind me what my name um, uh, means. And if you were here last week, we talked about this idea of, of our names and what, what they mean. Uh, Brian means strong in virtue. Uh, I made this plaque when I was in about the fourth grade in elementary school as part of a class project that, that our entire class did. And I, I keep it, I've kept it all these years and I always put it somewhere uh, where I'll be able to lie, lay eyes on it because I want to understand uh, who I am and what my name means and the significance uh, that my name has. Proverbs 24 verse five says, a wise man is strong and a man of knowledge adds to his strength. So maybe you know what your name means. If you don't, I would encourage you to do some research about that. And uh, uh, because at some level, it, it defines or has some significance in our life. Uh, we have two boys. They're grown. Uh, matter of fact, our oldest son, um, Stephen, is named after his dad. His name is Brian Stephen Baker Jr. We call him Stephen. He just turned uh, 29 this past Thursday. So, son, if you're watching online today, happy birthday to you. And uh, he's named after his dad. Our youngest son is named Bradley Gordon Baker. Uh, Bradley is my mother-in-law's maiden name. Uh, Karen's mother, obviously. And then uh, Gordon is my mother's maiden name. So Bradley is named after both sides of our family. And the reason I tell you all that about my nickname and about the significance of the names in our life is so that we realize and understand that sometimes the names that we are called define us and kind of we carry it through with us in our life or they have some kind of significant value to us in our life. Um, if either one of those is true, you've got something in common with the people that we're going to talk about today. Uh, we're going to talk about four guys from the nation of Israel named Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Chances are we got some Daniels in the house today or maybe watching online. Uh, I doubt seriously we, we got some Mishaels and, and Hananiahs and, and Azariahs. But if, if that's your name, you have something common with some ancient Israelites that we're going to look at today. So I want to encourage you to turn in your Bible uh, or your smartphone or your tablet to Daniel chapter number one. And we're going to hang our hat in, in this entire chapter today because what I want to do is we look at the story of these four guys is I hope that we will understand the significance of their names and some choices and some decisions that they made based on who they knew they were uh, with the God uh, that they had a relationship with and based on who they knew they were in relationship with each other. And I just want to uh, give you a couple of simple truths today uh, tied to this idea of identity and relationships. So today we're going to talk about identity 
and relationships. And you're going to see this principle uh, very clearly in the life of of these four guys. Uh, So if you have a copy of a Bible, let me encourage you to open to Daniel chapter number one in the Old Testament. If you don't have a Bible and you would like to have a hard copy or physical copy, if you're on campus, let me encourage you to uh, pick one up. We have some out at our care station. We have some at the tables just behind each seating section. Uh, We would love for you to pick one up. That's our gift to you. Uh, If you have a smartphone or a tablet, we encourage you to download the YouVersion Bible app, and it'd be a great way for you uh, to read God's word and stay connected and to, um, uh, uh, to make that a part of, of your life, okay? So Daniel chapter number one is where we're gonna be um, today. And here's the first thing I want us to see um, about Daniel as it relates to his identity and his relationship with these other four guys. Actually, all four of these guys made a conscious choice and a conscious decision to choose to identify with their God name instead of their pagan name. They chose to identify with their God name instead of their pagan name. Remember, our names have significance, and our names at some level uh, define who who we are, okay? Uh, So we're going to pick up the story in Daniel chapter 1, and verse number 1, the Bible says this. It says, during the third year of King Jehoiakim's reign in Judah, King Jehoiakim is the king of of Judah. Judah is a part of the nation of Israel at this particular time. It says, during his reign, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to Jerusalem and besieged it. Now let's stop right there for just a minute because I want to help us understand uh, this is a bad day within the life of the nation of Israel. Uh, This is a period of time, and we're going to talk about this more in just a minute, known as the exile period. It was a period of time. Matter of fact, verse 2 tells us that the Lord gave him victory over King Jehoiakim of Judah and permitted him to take some of the sacred objects from the temple of God. This is a period of time where God actually allowed a pagan king of the Babylonian empire, which was a pagan empire of the day, but it was the dominant world power at that particular time. God actually permitted and allowed the nation of Israel uh, to um, uh, to be taken captive, to be taken out of their homeland, and, and, to, and to, to live as servants or slaves within the Babylonian empire. If they ever made it out of Israel, most of the people perished and died because when the Babylonian empire came in and laid siege to the city of Jerusalem, nation of Israel, basically they just went around and they killed a bunch of people, anybody and everybody that they encountered. But there were a few choice people uh, that they chose to capture and take back to Babylonia and to make them slaves within the pagan Empire. It says in the latter part of verse 2 So Nebuchadnezzar took them back to the land of Babylonia and placed them in the treasury and the house of his God. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, his chief of staff, to bring to the palace some of the young men of Judah's royal family and other noble families who had been brought to Babylon as captives. Everybody say captives. We're going to come back to that in just a minute because that's what Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, they were now captives within the Babylonian empire. They were slaves. They were going to be indoctrinated into a pagan culture and giving an assignment to serve the king in his palace. 
Uh, I would dare say that never in Daniel's wildest dreams would he ever imagine that he would spend his entire life in captivity. But the book of Daniel explains to us that Daniel lived his entire life. And these three guys with him, they lived their entire life as slaves and captives in a pagan uh, land, in a pagan empire. And verse four says, select only strong, healthy, and good-looking young men, he said. Make sure they're well-versed in every branch of learning. They're gifted with knowledge and good judgment and are suited to serve in the royal palace. Train these young men in the language and literature of Babylon. And the king assigned them a daily ration of food and wine from his own kitchens. And they were to be trained for three years. And then they would enter the royal service. And then we meet these four guys in verse number six. It says, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael and Azariah were four of the young men chosen all from the tribe of Judah. Now let's stop here for just a minute. Let's unpack the names of these four guys that we're introduced to together here, okay? Uh, The name Daniel means God is my judge. God is my judge. The name Hananiah means the Lord is gracious. Mishael, his Hebrew name meant who is like God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of the nation of Israel. And Azariah, his name means the Lord has helped. So what, when you look at those four guys, what do their names have in common? All right, this is the part where we interact, okay? Uh, And when you look at all four names, what do they have in common? God, all right? Their, Their relationship with the God of their people. Uh, the God that they believed to be the one true God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, uh, and Jacob, who would be the patriarchs of, of the nation of Israel. And all of their life, their identity would have been tied to their relationship uh, with the one true God. So every time that they would have been called by their name as a child growing up or as a teenager who went off to, uh, to school or in the workplace or in their community, Uh, they would have been reminded of the relationship that they had with the God of Israel, the God of heaven and earth, the God of their ancestors. But verse number seven says that the chief of staff renamed them with these Babylonian names. So get the picture here. When, When King Nebuchadnezzar laid siege to the city of Jerusalem, he said, I want you to get some of the royal family. These were to be the, the, the studs of the nation of Israel. These would have been the most good looking, the most handsome, the most well-educated. Um, uh, this would be kind of like the, the Prince Williams and the Prince Henrys of our day, okay? Uh, take them captive, and I want you to indoctrinate them for three years into our Babylonian pagan culture, and basically I want them to be brainwashed to the extent that they forget the God of their nation, they forget who they are, and they are now become indoctrinated into our practices of worship and our pagan idolatry. And the king had a very specific way that he wanted that to happen. He had a specific menu that he wanted them to eat. He had specific courses and classes that he wanted them to take. And for three years, they were indoctrinated into a pagan Babylonian culture. And the first thing they did is they changed their names from their Hebrew names, which associated them with the God that they had a relationship with, to 
pagan Babylonian names. Now, let me just show you the contrast uh, in the names. The Bible says that Daniel was called Belteshazzar. Belteshazzar uh, means may Baal protect his life. And if you know anything about the ancient pagan cultures of the day, uh, Baal was, was kind of like uh, the top dog when it comes to gods. He was like the god of all, all gods. And, and everybody worshiped Baal in the pagan cultures of his day. And Daniel's name was changed to Belteshazzar, which means may, god, may Baal protect his life. Hananiah, the Bible says, was called Shadrach. The name Shadrach in the Babylonian culture means the command of Aku. A-C-U. Aku was the pagan god of the moon. And uh, if you know anything about ancient history, you'll find that, uh, that pagan cultures, they had all kind of made up gods. They had gods for everything. And uh, Shadrach, or excuse me, Hananiah was called Shadrach, which was a reference to the pagan god of the moon. Mishael was renamed to Meshach. Meshach's name also was in relation to Aku because it means who is what Aku is. And then Azariah was renamed Abednego. Abednego means servant of Nebo. And Nebo was the pagan god of literature and wisdom. Remember, they were to be indoctrinated into the Babylonian culture, to the Babylonian uh, uh, literature and, and, and wisdom of the day. And, and uh, uh, Azariah was renamed Abednego, which means servant of Nebo. So the question is, why did they change their names? And it becomes really, really clear as you read the rest of their story that the primary reason that Nebuchadnezzar wanted their names changed was to disconnect them from their identity as Israelites and their relationship with the God of the nation of Israel and to indoctrinate them into a pagan culture to where they would forget every and any aspect that they ever had about their prior history within the Israel royal family or about their relationship with God and to totally forget their life before their, their country was laid siege by the Babylonians. And I got to thinking about that and I got to thinking how sometimes in our lives uh, we find ourselves in, in captivity. Maybe not literally to, the, to, a, to a slave master where we're put in shackles and chains and, and we're told where to go and what to do and when to do it and all that stuff. But, but sometimes we find ourselves captive to our emotions, don't we? Sometimes we find ourselves captive to, to fear. Sometimes we find ourselves captive to, to anxiety. Sometimes we find ourselves captive uh, in a relationship that we thought was going to be going in one direction and is heading off in, a, in another direction. Sometimes we find ourselves uh, captive to an, a, an addiction or emotion that is just uh, too much for us to, to overcome and, and to move beyond. And it's in those moments that I think, I think God wants us to realize and understand who we really are in our relationship to him. And we need to remind ourselves of what God says about us instead of what we think about us or what other people think about us. You see, there are basically two places you can look for your identity. You can either look for your identity vertically uh, that is, what does God have to say about who I am? Or you can look to identify yourself the way 
other people look at you and, and you can identify yourself horizontally. And we all have people in our life at certain particular points and times in our life uh, that say things that, that define us. Uh, I know students who struggle today with their identity within their family context because their mothers or their fathers have, have spoken harshly uh, of them and they have a low self-esteem and a low self-image. I know others who have just been beat down verbally because they've been spoken to like, uh, like, they're, uh, like they're an animal or they're a piece of trash. And maybe there are some things in your life that, that kind of uh, are, are, have you captive today. And let me encourage you today that God wants us to see ourselves the way that he sees us. And in those moments where we feel unlovable and uncapable and insignificant and unworthy, the God of the universe says none of that's true. The God of the universe says we are lovable because it says, for God so loved the world. That's everybody. That's you. That's me. Uh, God says our life has meaning and purpose and, and significance. God says our lives are are, are, are worth more than we could ever imagine or dream. We were worth so much that he willingly allowed his son Jesus to step out of heaven and lay down his life on a cross and shed his perfect blood so that you and I can be forgiven of our sins. And whether you're on campus today or whether you're online, let me encourage you to begin to see yourself the way that God sees you instead of the way that other people see you. And God says you are lovable. God says you are capable. God says you are forgivable. God says you are, are acceptable. And no matter what place you find yourself in, like, like Daniel and these three guys, they were in a difficult situation. It was a bad time within the nation of Israel. But they understood who they were in relationship to the God who made them and created them. And we're going to see throughout the whole book of Daniel. And I'd encourage you to read a lot of it. Uh, and in a, the, the life of Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, how their relationship to God and their relationship to each other actually sustained them and brought them through this difficult period of time. So their, identif their identity was defined by what God said about them. Here's the second thing I want us to see. Their lives were supported by each other. Their lives were supported by each other. Now, we're introduced to all four of these guys in verse number six of chapter number one. And I want you to listen as we read the rest of chapter number one, that every time you see one of them mentioned, they're always in close relationship with each other, going through the same thing at the same time. Listen to what it says in verse number eight. It says, but Daniel determined not to defile himself by eating the food and the wine given to them by the king. And he asked the chief of staff for permission not to eat these unacceptable foods. In other words, there was a specific diet the king wanted these guys to eat for three years. And it was a diet that, um, uh, that is, is something that Israelites did not eat. And it was, a, it was food that was offered up to idols. And Daniel knew that if he engaged in that menu and he ate that food, that he would be defiling. He would be kind of turning his back on, on God. And uh, so he made a deal with the guy that was in charge with them. And it says, now God had given the chief of staff both respect and affection 
for Daniel. Let me pause right there for just a minute, just as a side note, help you understand. I don't care what you face or what circumstance or situation you find yourself in, no matter how bad it seems or how bad it gets, get this church, God is always working on your behalf behind the scenes. God is always working on your your behalf behind the scenes. He makes a promise to us in Romans chapter eight. It's not in your notes and won't come up on the screens, but it says that God works all things together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. I don't understand and know how God does that all the time, but here's what I do know. It's a promise that he's made me. And if it's a promise that he made me, I'm gonna claim it every time I need it in my life when I'm facing something that I don't understand or can't make sense of. And the Bible says that God showed favor on Daniel and his friends with the people who were put in charge of him. Verse 10, but he responded, I'm afraid of my Lord, the king, who has ordered that you eat his food and wine. And if you become pale and thin compared to the other youths your age, I'm afraid that the king will have me beheaded. But Daniel spoke with the attendant who had been appointed by the chief of staff to look after, here they are, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Please test us, he says, for 10 days on a diet of vegetables and water, Daniel said. And at the end of the 10 days, see how we look compared to the other young men who are eating the king's food. Then make your choice in light of what you see. And the attendant agreed to Daniel's suggestion and tested them for the next 10 days. And at the end of the 10 days, Daniel and his three friends looked healthier and better nourished uh, than the young men who had eaten the food assigned by the king. So after that, the attendant fed them only vegetables instead of food and wine and provided that he had provided for the others. Verse 17, but God gave these four young men, here they are together, an unusual aptitude for understanding every aspect of literature and wisdom. And God gave Daniel the special ability to interpret the meaning of visions and dreams. And when the training period ordered by the king was completed, the chief of staff brought all the young men to King Nebuchadnezzar. And look at the result. Then the king talked with them and no one impressed him as much as Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the royal service and whenever the king consulted them in any matter requiring wisdom and balanced judgment, he found them all of them together, he found them 10 times more capable than any of the other magicians or enchanters in his entire kingdom. This particular period is what's known as the exile period within the nation of Israel. I I heard a, a Bible teacher not too long ago explain this idea of exile, and he called the exile period Uh, basically a a territory or a period of not belonging. And that's exactly the circumstance and situation that we find Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah in. Uh, This particular period of time known as the exile within the nation of Israel, the Bible tells us in the book of Daniel that it would last for 70 years. And it was a period of time where the Israelite nation had been destroyed. The city of Jerusalem had been besieged and many of the Israelites had been taken captive to the Babylonian king and they were living in in exile. They were living in a territory and under the domain of a pagan 
idol-worshiping king, and they did not belong in their hometown. They did not belong in the royal family. But here's what Daniel and his three friends knew. Regardless of where we're at or what we're facing or what we're going through, regardless of who's in charge, we are still children of God Almighty. He is still our king. He is still our Lord. And we've got him and we've got each other. And they walked through what they went through together. And here's what I love about this idea of exile and a choice that they made to allow their lives to support each other. They refused to not not belong. Does that make sense? They refused to not not belong. They refused to, to isolate themselves and give in to the circumstance and situation, the captivity that were li- they were living in. They chose to identify themselves with the one true God that they had a relationship with, the one God that they knew who was bigger and greater than their circumstance and situation. And they chose to support each other with what they went through. So I've got two simple points that I want to I want to kind of drive home today. Number one, as I read this story, it's very clear to me that community is greater than captivity. Community is greater than captivity. This idea of community has to do with relationships. It has to do with our vertical relationship with God who made us, who knows us, who calls us by his name, and it has to do with our relationships with each other. And yes, this was a bad day or a bad season in the life of Daniel and his three friends, but they chose to identify themselves with their God and with each other, and as a result, they were able to be overcomers uh, with the circumstance and situation that they found themselves in. And church, can I tell you, the same is true for you and I. Community is greater than captivity. I don't know what it is that you are facing today that's got you uh, captive to, uh, to fear or to anxiety or to worry or, 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 a, or a strain in a relationship or an uncertainty uh, about the future. Uh, I would argue that in the United States of America today, with everything that we have gone through over the last two years, with what's going on in our world today and where we're headed in the future, at some level, I would argue we're living in a season of captivity and and exile. And can I just encourage you, church, the only way the only way that you and I are going to make it through this season of captivity and exile is to realize and understand who God is, and that he's put other people in our life for a reason and for a purpose. See, life is all about relationships, and God designed it that way. God designed it for us to be in relationship with him through his son, Jesus Christ. That's a personal choice that every single one of us have to make. And if you've never made that choice, let me tell you, the greatest decision you can ever make is to say yes to Jesus. Say yes to Jesus and place your faith and trust in what he's done for you when he died on a cross, he was buried in a tomb and resurrected from a grave. Place your faith and trust in Jesus and get that vertical relationship with God right and then allow the relationships that God has placed in your life to grow and to flourish and to help you and to benefit you as you walk through whatever it is that you're going through. 
For me, a few months ago, uh, my captivity and my exile was a, was a physical issue. Maybe some of you can relate to that. Maybe somebody online today is facing a, a, a sickness or a disease. Maybe you're struggling with COVID today, and there's just that uncertainty that goes with that. Uh, some of you know my story. Maybe most of you know my story. If you don't, on January the 15th of this year, I had quadruple bypass open heart surgery. Never in a million years would you ever told, if you had told me a year and a half ago that I would have coronary artery disease and have to have quadruple bypass surgery, I said, you're crazy. I'm healthy. Nothing wrong with me. But when a doctor said, Mr. Baker, you've got coronary artery disease and you need to have open heart surgery, let me tell you something. My perspective on life changes like that. And, and it was my relationship with God. And I'll say this to pat myself on the back. I, I give this as a testimony to God Almighty, who is my Lord and who is my Savior. It was my relationship with God that sustained me. And it was my relationship with other people who got me through that experience. And on January the 15th, I was supposed to be at the hospital before daylight to get prepped for surgery, which would last anywhere from eight to 10 hours, according to what the doctor had said. And when I got to the hospital that day, I had a group of my friends that God put in my life at different stages of, uh, of my life over the years. I had a group of my friends that were waiting on me in the parking lot that morning. And here's, here they are. And this was the height of COVID. Nobody was allowed to go in the hospital. Karen was only allowed to go in by herself and she sat in and out of the, 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 the waiting room going back and forth outside to, uh, to communicate stuff to our friends. But not only those that my friends show up that morning before daylight to pray for me, you know what they did? They hung out in the parking lot all day long for about 10 hours and prayed and supported and encouraged and, and helped me and my family through a very difficult season in our lives. Let me ask you a question today. Do you got friends like that? Do you have friends in your life that no matter what you face or what you're going through, they're going to show up and they're going to be present. And you're going to know that, that they've got your back no matter what. Community is greater than captivity. The second thing I see in this story is that relationships are greater than rituals. Relationships are greater than rituals. The Bible says that the king gave an order to indoctrinate these four young men and others into the Babylonian culture for three years. He gave them a diet that they were expected to eat. He gave them classes that they were expected to take. And for three years, they were going to be hammered with the ritual Uh, practices of the pagan Babylonian culture. And I got to thinking about that as well in in our lives and in my life. You know what some of the rituals that we engage in? Showing up, going to church. That's good. That's great. But there's so much more to our relationship with God than just showing up on a Sunday morning and checking a box and saying, I went to church this week. It's great to open our Bibles and to read it. I would encourage you to do that on a, on a daily basis. It'll add so much value to your life. But if the only reason you open up your Bible 
uh, is to check a box and say, I've did, done my devotion today. And you don't ever spend time thinking about the God who writ, wrote it and what he wants to say to you and, and the difference that it makes in your life. And it's just going through the motions and it's just routine and it's just ritual. And it's real easy to go through life, especially in Western civilization, Christianity, to go through life just checking off a bunch of boxes and doing a bunch of rit- ritualistic things. And patting ourselves on the back and, make, and making ourselves feel good because we went to church or we read our Bible. And church, can I tell you, your relationship with God is so much more than that. Your relationship with others uh, can be so much more than that. Because relationships are greater than rituals. And I would argue it's not enough just to, just to show up and go to church. It's not enough just to, to read our Bibles. God created us and made us to be in relationships with other people. God created us to add value to, to each other's lives. And as I read stories like this in the Bible, I, uh, God's been teaching me to ask a couple of questions. Number one, why is this story in the Bible? And then what am I going to do about it? And the reason I think this story is in the Bible for me, and I hope that maybe at some level this this helps you as well. I believe this story is in the Bible to help me to understand that I need to see myself the way God sees me first. And uh, and then I need to I need to get some friends in my life who are going to love me and are going to support me and are going to encourage me and are going to pray for me and are going to help me. And we're going to be there and be present in my life. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go get me some more friends. I'm, I'm going to focus on what God says about me. And I'm going to listen to what he has to say about who, who he's made me, who he's gifted me to be, and what he says about me. And I'm going to go get me some friends that I can do life with on a regular basis and hang out with and pour into their life and let them pour into me. And let's learn and, 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 and grow together. Uh, on your seat today, there's a, a handout that I want to draw your attention to, and I want to encourage you to take it with you as you leave today. Uh, last week, we started signing up for a new season of community groups at Epic. And community groups at Epic are all about our relationship with God and our relationship with others. And if you don't have a group of friends, like those friends that I showed you that I have in my life, let me tell you, one of the greatest things you can do to begin to meet people like that and to build those relationships is get involved in a small group. And we have community groups at Epic that I want to encourage you to, to check out and explore. And as you leave today on the left-hand side of our lobby is our group center. And there's all kinds of options that you can explore about how you can get signed up uh, in a community group where you can build those kind of relationships that will add value to your life as you walk through and go through whatever it is that you face on a on a regular, consistent basis. And I would just encourage you to remember the two things we've learned today. Number one, community is greater than captivity. And relationships are greater than rituals. And if you'll get around a small group of people who are like-minded, it'll add tremendous value to your life and it'll add tremendous value to your understanding and your relationship with God. And God will do things in your life through those other people um, that you can never imagine or dream. Uh, Those new groups will launch in about two weeks. So today and next Sunday, we'll continue to sign up. And we're going to begin a brand new sermon series next week called Revealed. 
And we're going to take this idea of names one step further. And we're going to look at the names of God. And we're going to look at some ancient Old Testament names from the Old Testament. And we're going to talk about what those names of God mean and how it how it applies to our lives. So let me encourage you to, to show up next week and invite somebody to come with you. If you're watching online with us today, make sure you tune in next Sunday for the, uh, the very beginning of our brand new sermon series called Revealed. And as we close today, I want to invite you to really pay attention to this last song that we're going to sing. It's one of my favorites. And Matt and our worship team is going to come back out and, and lead us. And it talks about, I am who you say I am. I want you to focus on what God says about you instead of what other people think about you. So can we pray today? I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. God, I come to you today and thank you so much for the privilege to be here today and to open your word and to see, Lord, how that thousands of years ago you worked and... and, uh, some guys' lives who made a commitment to you and a commitment to each other. And God, you sustained them in a very difficult season of their life. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us to understand the value of what that means for us today. Lord, to begin to see us ourselves the way that you see us and to realize the value of relationships that, that uh, Lord, you want us to, to grow and develop. And I pray if there's somebody here today who maybe is anxious or nervous about um, connecting in a small group, that, God, they just take that step and explore that option today. And, Lord, you'd help them to connect in the right group with the right people, and you would just build amazing relationships that will add tremendous value to their life. Or maybe there's somebody here today who just struggles to see themselves the way that you see them. I pray that today would be the day when they would begin to clearly see, uh, Lord, you for who you are, They begin to see themselves as somebody who is lovable and forgivable and capable and acceptable. And Lord, just ask you to accomplish what you want to accomplish in us and through us today. And may you receive all honor and glory and praise for everything that's accomplished here today. For it's in your name we pray and ask these things. Amen. Let me invite you to stand and engage in this last song together, if you will.